You're listening to the Velocity Podcast. Our goal is simple. Increase the speed at which you succeed. Let's go. All right, friends, we've got a good one for you today. We have Adam Schaefer who's going to join me. He's actually the co-host on a podcast called Mind Pump Media. They have been number one ranked in the fitness category in space where they talk all about fitness, nutrition, and a bunch of other different topics. They're funny guys, three of them, Adam Sal and Justin and their producer, Doug, who get on there and they'll do some interviews, but a lot of it's just them jawing up with each other, having a good time. He's also an IFBB pro where we competed against each other back in California is kind of where we got to uh, know each other and how we actually formed a relationship. So I'll let this one kind of flow organically. We're going to talk a little bit about stepping into fatherhood on a premature basis. We'll talk about that. Selfishness as a father, strengths and weaknesses, a little bit of politics. I'm going to prod and poke and see if I can get something out of him and just some fitness stuff. But uh, Adam's definitely uh, a go-to guy, a good friend in the industry, and you're going to hear me talk with him on multiple different occasions as we bring him back for more. So without further ado, let's get this on. You got a son who's a year old right now, Maximus. We, you know, we had the birthday July seventh. So, you know, I know um, people that are listening. They're gonna they're gonna tune into you because you're the stud podcaster slash IPD man, lead beard. You know all the good stuff that goes with Adam. And uh, you know, I want you guys to tune into this guy if you guys haven't heard him yet. Like you're gonna hear my intro already, but if you haven't heard of Adam, Adam Schaefer, he's the he's the guy who got me into you know, the podcasting realm in California when we did some stuff early on and it was just always my want to get back into it. So he's part of the reason why I'm actually here today with along with his brother, Sal and Justin and Doug. But this guy has a one-year-old and I know it has changed his world as my daughter has changed mine. So we're going to, we're going to flow this conversation up and down, but we'll start there because I know it's the passion right now that's on the tip of the tongue and he loves talking about it. So tell me about this one-year-old. Tell me how it's changed your world. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, I guess it's rocked it in, in, in many different ways. Um, <clears throat> coming from somebody who, who lost his father when I was seven years old, uh, it, it's, it's resurfaced some emotional feelings for me, uh, you know, and I'm almost 40 years old. So I waited a really long time, um, before I stepped into fatherhood, uh, really glad that I did. You know, I think that, uh, there was a, a lot of personal growth that I think I needed to go through in my teens and twenties and even thirties, early thirties <clears throat> to, kind of get to where I'm at right now. And, and I think that's something that I feel very blessed that I, I waited this long because I, I, I see now, especially having a son, how much uh, my world now revolves really around him. You know, it's uh, if, if I thought I had purpose before him, uh, I most certainly do now. And, and it's completely changed that, you know, and I, I just recently did a Instagram post of, you know, me, I was down really deep with him and I was running around and I was thinking about like the last couple of years, I've put a lot of energy and focus around my mobility and just the ability to be able to sit all the way down in a deep ass to grass squat and, you know, working on, you know, my, my hips, my ankles and, and, and really getting better uh, mobility after coming off of being like this bodybuilder. Like when I was training to be a men's physique athlete. I was like, you know, all about how I looked. It was not about how I moved around or anything. It was just, I, that's all I cared about was, you know, presenting a physique on stage that could win. And, you know, the drawback of that is maybe everybody else they see, they go, oh, wow, you, you look like you're in the best shape of your life. But in reality, I, I, I wasn't in the best uh, movement or athletic shape of my life at all. You know, I, I was lean body fat, lean as far as body fat percentage, but, you know, I'm not, I wasn't mobile. And so, Anyways, the the post was just about, you know, the first 38 years of my life was uh, really centered around myself and 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 training of, uh, for me, you know, whatever was uh whatever I was passionate about at the time or my insecurities of being the skinny kid and stuff. <clears throat> and I feel like all of that is completely dissolved and I could honestly give two shits about uh the way I look, you know. I I care more about how I feel, my health, and my ability to move and keep up with him. So, I mean, even now when I train, I, I think about that. I, you know, I, I don't think about like, oh, I need to hit this so my chest looks a certain way or I need to do this. I'm, I'm thinking about, man, I want to make sure that in seven, eight years from now, when my kid wants to pick up a basketball and play on the court with me, I can do it. <laughs> so you think about those things now, you know? Yeah, it's crazy because now I'm, you know, I'm the owner of Rockbox and I do some sales now, which is something that you and Doug and Justin did a lot back in the day. You were selling memberships. I do a lot of that now, just helping my team as I'm growing my general manager up 
you know, I hear the people talking and I hear what they're saying. They're wise. And, you know, those reasons is like, I just want to be healthy for my, my kids. It's amazing to hear that. Right. You know, and, and hear you say it today. It's like, okay, I've given up the fitness model career. I've given up, you know, the aspirations of making me look the person, but I'm looking for my kids to be able to have a father who he could play with, he could throw a ball with, he can move around with. And that's, what's important today. Which is great to hear. Well, I think it really speaks to more of the majority too. Like sometimes I feel like us fitness guys and girls, right? We get in our little bubble and we look at all of our peers and compare ourselves physique wise and whatever they're doing business wise. And the reality of it, we're not a representation of the majority. We're not a representation of what the clients that I train, most clients that I train, very few of them came to me and said, Hey, Adam, I want to compete on stage one day, or I want to be an athlete for this. I was lucky to get a client like that. That was like a maybe less than 5% of the people I trained in my career. Most of them were, you know, dads or moms and, you know, your average person who, you know, is over 40 and works, you know, 50 hours a week and, you know, is realizing that they have a lot of aches and pains and they're carrying extra weight or maybe their doctor told them they need to get in shape. And, you know, for them, it's, it's about longevity and health and, and feeling good. And so, you know, it, it, it's, you, it's interesting for me to feel like that more and relate now more with that person than I, I did probably just five years ago where I probably connected and related more with the competitor or the serious bodybuilder or lifter in the gym. Uh, but again, that, that, that's such a, a small little bubble of people where now I feel like the, the things that are important to me are probably more aligned with what's the average person too. So uh, I, I think it's it's connecting with a, a lot of our audience right now too. It's good because you know, like you, I'm, I'm sure you're getting you know the invites to these like dad groups and these other things, which is you know that's mainstream. You know, us is the one uh, percent or, or less than that. That's so um, such a small percentage of the reality that's really out there. So we thought it was so big because we were just immersed in this community that was just all off each other's butts. But you know, the real people are out there doing you know, just regular things that are, are just trying to be healthy for the kids, trying to, you know, go to the job and not feel fatigued at the end of the day and wake up with energy, getting the right sleep, getting the right nutrition and knowing that balance to live that balance. We were never balanced. You know, that's one thing I always say, the devil wears Prada. In your relationship, I said this in my last episode, but when your relationship's in the puts, your career's killing it. When your career's killing it, your relationship's in the puts. So it's, it's that, it's that yin yang. How do you balance that? So you know, you're, you're, you're seeming to do that well. I certainly know that you have opportunity now financially um, with your time, with the podcast and all the things that you have, have had made, right? And I want to bring up to the conversation that you and I had briefly last week when we were uh, prepping this episode a couple of days ago, we mentioned premature fatherhood. And also I want to bring up in, in the same segment, you know, your co-stars, right? Uh, Justin and Sal, you know, they don't seem to put the father card out there the same way that you do and talk about that because you know there's there's like is there a graduation in fatherhood like for me you know where i'm at and where you're at there's like that you have new relationship that new relationship or that new car smell right so is that going to fade do you feel like that's going to fade did have your friends have that happen you know what i mean like i i watch fathers and it's so immersed up front and then where does that like oh they're they're, they're okay you know it's like that that stage so talk talk through that well, there's a few things right there that you 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 pointed out. Um, one, uh, we'll start with premature fatherhood, which uh, I'm very careful to talk about because I don't want to offend somebody who's 25 years old and felt that they that's they were ready for it, they wanted it at this point in their life, and they were excited about it. And who am I to tell them that they're not mature enough yet to to raise a kid and you know, everybody has their own path. So, you know, when I speak to that, I, I'm definitely speaking to myself, but I do believe there is a large portion of people that probably start that really early or too early in their life. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky that I waited as, as long as I did. One, the lucky part is that I, I, I achieved what I think I was, I was searching for. And for me, it was, I wanted to be somewhere financially where I knew one that um, my wife would have have an option to work or not work. So if she wanted to be at stay at home mom and be with Max twenty four seven, she could. Um, if she still wanted to pursue her passions, 
and what she loved to do, I wouldn't be wrestling her and saying that you have to come home. We could hire a nanny that could help support her in every every aspect. Um, I, I wanted to be in a position with whatever I was doing in my career that I would have the flexibility with my schedule that, you know, if I want to be a dad who comes home, you know, at certain periods at two o'clock in the afternoon so I can catch my son's basketball game or do things like that, um, I'll have that luxury. And I know that in my, my early 20s, uh, I, I wouldn't have had any of the, the, that luxury. One, I wasn't in that financial place. Two, the careers that I was doing and pursuing at the time required me to work you know, 10, 12 hour days all the time. And, you know, I, and, and back then, if I would have had a child, the way I would have looked at it as a father is that, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm providing for my family. I have to make these sacrifices so I don't get to come home and stuff. But it's crazy when you get old and you have enough people and clients and, and relationships with people, you find out later on that, like, it's like a lose, lose for a dad, like with that, that mentality, right. Meaning that, you think you're doing such a good job as being a great father by busting your ass and working full time like crazy and, and overtime to support the family financially. Then your kid grows up and he's 18 years old and he resents you because you spent no time with him. You never threw a ball in the front yard, you know, or you're the other end of the spectrum where you're 20, you recognize the, the value and the importance of doing those things with your son. So you fuck off work. And you play with your kid in the yard all the time, but you don't go to a job very much. You struggle. You're on welfare. You're you're barely making things in. So then your kid gets older and stuff like that, and then he's upset and disappointed in you because you didn't have you never uh, we never had anything. We couldn't buy new shoes when I needed new shoes. You couldn't sign me up for the baseball league because we couldn't afford it. Like we lived in a shitty neighborhood. Or I had to share a bedroom with my sibling, and so it's like as a father. I've seen both ends of that spectrum, uh, you know, growing older and training a lot of clients and different people and different dads and seeing their approach. And, you know, I, I started to realize like, man, I don't want to be either side of that. Right. I don't want to be the dad who, you know, knows how important it is that I throw the ball with my son and I'm there for all the games and everything. But then I don't financially provide for my family to where they also can make their ends meet with, you know, food and shelter and the things that they need to get to grow and get older. So you know, there's, there's, I, for me, I, I always saw that, like that I, I wanted to, if I could control it, right. If I could work hard enough and be patient and not rush into having a child, uh, you know, could I make this all happen? And, um, I, I, you know, I did, I, and I feel, I feel really lucky and, and, and blessed that I did, but it, it wasn't all luck. You know, I thought about it. I didn't, I made choices, um, to not, you know, get somebody pregnant. And it was responsible when it came to things like that. And, you know, and even though uh, Katrina and I have been in love for 10 years and it, for sure we could have figured it out and had a kid at, at year two or three and been fine. Um, it would have been harder because I would have been in the middle of building things and career transitions. And she was working crazy hours too. And, you know, where we're at right now is, uh, is really cool. It's a really cool place that I can kind of ebb and flow with the amount of effort that I put towards the business and work, uh, without sacrificing, uh, you know, time with my son. And so, um, feel lucky, feel very lucky. That has part of the, the equation, actually part of why I went to Tennessee, you know, with, you know, you knew my job, I was an entrepreneur and doing a bunch of things in California with you guys. And then with my company Metron, essentially I was running out of my trading money, you know, it wasn't really coming in at that time. So I said, okay, I'm going to take my family. If it was just me and Wendy or just myself, you know, we could care less. We could kick it on somebody's couch. We could sit in, you know, a, a slummy apartment if you needed to. I've been in plenty of those in New York City when I just started, when I was uh, before, you know, Wall Street and doing all that stuff where you're just, you know, doing what you need to do. If you're eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you do what you need to do if, as an individual. Then you get married or have a girlfriend and then you're supporting that second person and then try bringing a kid into it. And there's that third one. And that's when it really gets real. So, you know, that premature fatherhood that we just talked about, you can get a lot of that stuff out of your system and figure it out, you know, if you were able to wait a little bit longer. And then with us living longer these days with health and fitness and, um, you know, just uh, the, the scientific advancements in technology and medical, et cetera, we can delay that fatherhood, which was happening in the teens back in the days. Now it's happening much, much later in life, the 20s and 30s. And Well, there's, there's also the fact too that, you know, there's a lot of, self-development and growth that happens in your twenties and thirties too, that, you know, if, for the, where I came from, the family that I came from, I was trying to break a cycle. Um, you know, the, you know, the, not only did I, I lose my father at seven, then my mom remarried into an abusive relationship. Um, we were, you know, we lived in nine different homes growing up and although we had shelter and, and food and we were okay, like I'm no stranger to 
food stamps or being evicted from a home or not being able to, to pay the electricity bill. And, you know, what happens to a lot of kids that, that grow up in that you, you kind of go one extreme or the other, either one, you, you decide that that's normal and okay. And you go down that pathway or you go the opposite and the other extreme and both have their positive and negative uh, things that can happen from that. And a lot of that kind of doesn't really surface until you get later on in life. I'll give you an example with myself that, you know, this didn't even come full circle for me until probably my late twenties. So being the kid that came from that, I was, I was, you know, I have five, there's five of us, there's four other siblings I have, and we're all kind of different. The, the pathway that we took, um, I was the, the hard driven, like, I'm not going to be like them. Like the, every, every day, the, the motivation for me was to be not like my parents. Now, the problem with that is that's, that's deeply rooted in insecurities that I had from a child. Sure. It drove me and gave me success as a young adult, but then what I got to be careful of is because I haven't dealt with the root cause or the issue that I have, the insecurity that I have, I could be, I could really easily bleed that into my son. So an example of that, I have that in my family. I have my uncle who has a very similar kind of upbringing as me. In fact, he was probably even more challenging and uh, he also made it really early. So in his twenties, he was financially successful. The difference between him and I was he had kids in his early twenties and I see now his kids are adults now. And what he did is exactly what I probably would have done if I was somebody, if I was somebody who uh, had kids that age, because I was still at a phase that I was insecure of, of not having much. And now I started to have things in abundance. I felt the need to show it off all the time, to show it off, to take people places, to pick up tabs all the time, to wear stuff extraordinary, fancy and just blowing money because I was, I was still still going through my own, my own shit, not realizing that, you know, and I'm, and in my head, I'm going like, oh, this is, you know, good for me. I made it. I made it. If I would have had a kid at 25, I would have been the parent 100% who, you know, would have bought my kid all the nicest shit because I can, because I worked so hard to get to this point so I can provide this for you, not realizing what I could be doing by, by setting that by, by do. And I see that now in my, what my, my, my little cousins that they have now are adults now, that you know how dependent they be they've become on my uncle, their father, and it's it's really unfortunate because he's a self-made man who, who who went through a lot to get to where he's at, and then he's got these kids that just they're not like that at all because they they got everything growing up, and so I'm always thinking about manufacturing adversity with my son because of that because he's definitely going to be raised in a very different home than I was raised in. And yes, I worked really hard so I could provide him the things that he needs, but I got to be careful not to let my own insecurities drive that to where I overcompensate and give him too much to make up for the shit that I felt that I lacked, you know? You know, and it makes me think, you know, when I was, uh, you know, in New York making some money, you know, what I was doing with my money and from blowing it, you know, at the rate that I was blowing it, et cetera. So it makes me, makes me ponder a little bit. Let's move on. Let's go with selfishness and fatherhood, right? Where... Where do we draw the line as fathers, right? Is is it okay to be selfish because we got to still work on ourselves? Like us as coaches, you know, you have online programming that you guys do in the MAPS programming and I have my own and in Rockbox too. It's like you almost have to have some selfishness a little bit when, it's, when it comes to start working on yourself because if you don't do that, you're always going to be pushing out on everyone else and then you're going to be the one that's going to be hurting. It's almost like the airplane analogy. Put the mask on yourself first and then go ahead and work on everyone else. So talk to me about that, Adam, as far as, you know, as a coach and as just a, a motivator, tell the fathers out there, where is it, where's the selfishness line? When is it okay to become selfishness for yourself? And then making sure that you can give back to your family and, and, and kids. Well, I think, I think you just gave a really great analogy, first of all, uh, with the, the mask and the, and the, in case of emergency in the, in the airlines and how they tell you to put it on your face first before you uh, save your child, right? You're no good if you're dead. <clears throat> so I, I think it's the same thing when we talk about health and fitness and then also being a great father. And, you know, you're, you're married, so it's, it's no longer you and Wendy, it's us, right? It's, and, and I think of Katrina and I the same way. Uh, it's, it's us. And so we come first as a unit, um, always, even before max, um, I, uh, our relationship has to be strong. Our health has to be strong. We have to be making sure that we're, we're checking all the boxes that, that make sure that we're happy, that we're taking care of, that we're healthy, that we're fit there that so we can then service and, and, and do good by him. Right. So 
I think that's important too, because there is uh, there are parents too that they have kids and they love their kids so much that they they sacrifice all their goals, they sacrifice all the things that are important to them, and they pour it all into their kids. You see that a lot of times in um, unhealthy relationships. Um, you have an unhealthy marriage or partnership, and they think that having a child may be the way to solve it. And it temporarily does because they both bury themselves into raising the kid and ignore the real problem that's going on between each other. And you see that as a Band-Aid in a lot of relationships that, and then sometimes that gets that, that relationship by for 10, 15 years, but they just grow apart from each other. And then they just, they put all their energy into being a good mom or a good dad and they lose sight of each other. And, you know, that's not a good example for a child either. Right. So, you know, it's, we, I, and I think of things like this, like, uh, you know, one of my favorite things, Max thinks it's so funny when I kiss his mom, you know? So like, I always want him to see me giving affection to his mom or, or us being close to each other and laughing together and enjoying each other's company. Like, so we, we make a conscious effort to, to let him see our bond and how we are, how we coexist together, uh, and as, as a team to raise him. And so I think that always has to be the, the pillar and in place. Uh, and th- that has to be your rock and foundation. And then you can build a great life and, and childhood for your, for your son or daughter, but that has to come first. Otherwise, what ends up happening is, like I said, you end up, you know, not thinking about the other partner and all that goes towards the kid. And all you're really doing is is putting on a Band-Aid on a, on, a, on a much bigger issue that eventually will surface and eventually could come back to bite you in your ass that, you know, your son grows up and then they actually have a hard time with relationships because they didn't have a good example of a strong relationship. They had a good mom, they had a good dad, you know, but they didn't see good parents, you know, and so now when they start dating and they're 16, 17 years old, the type of, you know, man or woman that they start to interact with and you start scratching your head as a father going like, what the fuck? What are you doing dating her or dating him? What's going on here? And you don't realize that you never gave him or her a good example that maybe you provided for them, maybe that you were a good dad throwing a ball with them. But part of being a good dad or a good parent is also showing them what a good, healthy relationship looks like. So I 100% believe that that's first and foremost before you can take care of him. And I don't remember you and Katrina ever having any stats in front of anybody. I don't know if you just keep all that stuff behind closed and you are able to wait. I'm a hothead Italian, so I kind of let off a little bit wherever I'm at. And so I'm working on me. You know, it's, it's a challenge. I'm working on me, but I'm really working on me in front of my daughter, um, in front of others and trying to make sure that, you know, that that relationship doesn't hinder her. You ever, you ever watch the movies and you watch the kids background, like, you know, just watching their parents argue and they, they have that like, you know, that like video scene. And I'm like, Shh, that's me sometimes, man. I'm like, I know it. I'm like, I see, I see that through my kids' eyes sometimes. So that, you know, how do you guys manage that? And then the second thing is, I'm going to shift political a little bit right after this, but go ahead and answer the first part. I'm going to, I'm going to answer the political stuff into the same equation. So go for it. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so it's, uh, this is partially, um, you know, another thing that is, uh, been lucky that because I waited a long time in my life to find the right partner, excuse me. And the, and for me, um, I, there were certain things that were like non-negotiable uh, for me. And that was, it comes from, because of what I went through as a kid. So we lived in a very loud house, um, and not just loud frying pans being thrown, knives being chased at the, one of them, physical getting punched, cops, all that shit. Like, so I grew up in a home like that. Now, Katrina also grew up in a very volatile home also. So there's alcoholism that runs in her family and uh, there's she's got family members that have been in and out of prison. So we both kind of have this this rougher childhood and we both kind of made it out, uh, I like to think, as pretty good people that didn't fall down the same pathway as as their family. And I think that's what, what has really bonded us is that we knew for sure like what when if and when that time comes that I finally settle down and have a family one some of the things that are like a non-negotiable is 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 that is the way we interact with each other how we speak to each other um is was a non-negotiable both for her and for me like so previous relationships if if a woman raised her voice to me or swore at me like i was the type of guy who was like i'm out that was it. Like I had no patience for it. Zero. Like it, the, the probably to a fault, even like there's probably girls that probably deserved a little bit more of a chance because they just got really heated or I hit a really hot button. But I was so adamant about not wanting that in my life because I wanted to break that cycle from my childhood that I was, I was out right away. And I feel Katrina was the same way too. Like, I mean, if I even say something that is in the slightest bit demeaning to her, she has this look 
where I, she ain't going to say nothing to me. Like, I just, I know that I, I, I went too far. You know what I'm saying? I went too far. I insulted her in a way that is not okay. And we have that. We both have that. And we, I do the same thing back to her. Like, so mine is like, I go silent. Like if we're going back and forth and something is said and it triggers one or the other, what's cool is that we both have the awareness that we do have the emotional control that if we get triggered like that, it's like we kind of both have the, our own little look that we give the other person. And it's like, yeah, no, that's not okay. You know, that's not okay. And it, it's, it's literally, it's more powerful than a scream or a swear word ever would be because we don't give that look out very much. We don't cross that boundary very much. So when I know I got it, you know, or I, I knew she gets it from me, we know that like, oh shit, we went too far. And we've just disciplined ourselves that, you know, we don't, we don't ever hash that out. Now, mind you, if it's her and I in the bedroom and we're just talking, we're that we'll, we'll deal, we'll hash it out right, right then and there while we're, why we're emotional right in the middle of it. But what we have found uh, to give that it's given us a lot of success in our relationship is to allow the two people to kind of actually go their own way. And then before night, it'll get settled. You know, at one point we will, ha- we will revisit this conversation and it normally starts off with whoever felt that other person cross the line, they'll bring that to the, once the time is right, we're in a room, it's just her and I, I'll say, Hey, you know, uh, what you said earlier in front of your mom and everything like that to me, that's not okay. You know? And then what's great is that because both of us are big on personal growth and self-awareness already before that conversation has been had, she's already been self-reflecting as, as I was too, like, cause part of what I'll, after I say, it's not okay. And then she comes back, she'll normally tell me, oh yeah, I crossed the line. You made me feel this way. That's why I said this. I said, yeah. And then I'll normally go like, you know, you're right. Like I overreacted with that. I pushed, I know I shouldn't have done that. I know that was insulting. So, and so we do a really good job of always taking the other person out of the equation. Cause here's how I look at things. Like nobody has the power to make Craig Caperso mad. Nobody does. Only you. And if you, if you allow that to happen, you have now given your power away. You, nobody can do that. I cannot physically, you know, without touching you, make you angry. You allow that to happen. Only you allow that to happen. So do I have the ability to always take the other person out of the equation and reflect on why the hell did that make me so mad? Why did her just making that insult or saying that, why did it get me so infuriated inside? And what that, that's always a sign to me that if I got that upset, there's work to be done internally. There, she obviously hit something that's a soft spot for me, which is normally an insecurity, right? She made me look stupid or she made me feel less of a man or she made me feel not very successful or whatever, whatever all my little, little hot buttons are, right? Those are some of mine. That, that may make me feel that way or feel inferior, something like that. She hit it, got me mad. If I wanted to respond right away, I don't. I bite my lip and I right away start going into like, oh, wow, why did, why did that sting? Why did I want to snap at her and do that? This is my own shit. And then I start going to work on myself. So I'm lucky that I have a partner that thinks the same way. And so when we get into a room together, especially if it's been hours since the incident happened, it's, it's always a really, I mean, I know I, I don't like to ever paint like our relationship is perfect because everybody has stuff, but you know, we really don't, we really don't get into major fights. Like we do have our moments like that where one person oversteps or rubs the other one the wrong way, but it's normally solved really like that where a look is given. And I mean, we can both laugh about it too. Like, yeah, I saw the look, you know, I'm, I'm ready for the conversation. Let's hear it. You know, so we can even make light of it and joke about it now. And yeah, you know, shit. After ten years, you know the other person so well. I already know what's coming before before I get it. You know. So here's a story with that, Adam. I created Wendy um, to be my equal, essentially, because <laughs> she came as you know. She always said that she was like had this power, like was like you know the the alpha female, and I never got it because I was like so dominant. And you know, it wasn't till her wedding that I, I learned that she was the dominant female because. Um, there was a story that, um, you know, it was when we were getting married and she just went off and she was like, just handling someone's business on the phone. And I was just like, looking at her, I'm like, nice, you know, giving her like compliment because she like was able to stand up for herself. And I always wanted that in a woman because I was like, I can't always be the strong one. I got to make sure I got to have a strong woman next to me because they might have to handle business, you know, anywhere. And I didn't really get that out of Wendy for so long. And, but her friends told me when she was doing this and I, and I, I saw her handling business or one of her friends was in the room and I go, Hey, is she always like this? And she goes to everyone, but you, 
And I was like, so, okay. So she, she gave me the respect card, but there was one time with her that uh, she lost it on me. And, and it was like, I was waiting for it. I was like, you know, give it to me. Like, let's go. I like, I think I egged her on cause I wanted to like, see what her emotion her her like, you know, and this is, don't do this. This is probably the wrong thing to do. I'm not saying do this, but here's the story part. And so she went off. She, and, and I literally golf clapped her. I, I gave her the slow clap. I was like, about time. And, you know, that angered her even more, but it was just good to see like that, that fire in her body. And again, friends, family, whoever's listening, don't do that. That's not the way to uh, exceed at your, uh, you know, relationship. But it's just interesting because I heard Adam, you know, talk right there that he's got this self-control and he's got the partner that's also doing the self-development with him. And I, and I was just thinking, I was like, you know, I don't never ever heard these guys really have that argument. They always were very poised. And I see these other couples that do that. And I'm like, I want to work on my relationship towards that. So I was interested to hear that. And I could just, it just goes to say that I'm sure you're not doing anything in front of your child. That's going to show him that light that you guys both yeah. brought up. in. so that's good to yeah. hear. So Right now, California's a mess. The, the world's a mess right now. It's, it's like the news is coming at you, and depending on what station you, you're watching, you're going to get this uh, one narrative. And I heard it, there's only 7% of the news media that's out there in the United States that's actually um, registered as conservative, which is amazing. So you could obviously see what bias is actually being put through the airwaves. And I don't actually know where you stand. I think I know where you stand, but uh, you know, I don't even, it doesn't even matter. Um, more or less, I'm thinking that the folks that are out there doing bad and, and today it's like bad has a question mark next to it it's like people are, are justifying stealing and looting and saying well if this then you can do that makes no sense to me at all because never ever has this ever been a question that stealing is bad and now it's being justified so that's the first thing and the second thing is as a father it makes very easy um essence for someone to say okay if your child was not like what would Jesus do, but if your child was watching you, would your actions be okay? And why can't everyone actually just take that same mentality and just live their life? Because I'm watching people scream at cops or do these things on all, all over the media. And it's like, you just had a thought to yourself to say, if I was being recorded and my kids saw me right now, would they be okay with it? You know, um, we avoid a lot of political talk and and it's not because by any means uh, am I afraid to talk about it. We, um, uh, mind pump it, or you? Yeah, yeah, mind pump in general, right? I mean, Sal does a little bit, right? He goes, he goes there a little bit, but you know, with 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 the way things have been in the last, you know, three to four months, uh, we've definitely had people reach out and be like, I wish you guys would talk more about this and talk more about that, and you know, I have a few thoughts on that, you know. One of them is that uh, we have a very distorted uh, image of what's really going on right now uh, from from multiple for multiple reasons. One reason being that uh, the majority is not even on social media. The majority of America is not on social media. Okay, less than less than half has a social media platform. Okay, there's way more people that don't even get on that shit. If I was just outside talking to a neighbor. And like, he's like six months behind. He's like just now hearing about the riots and stuff like that. And he's like, what's going on over in the Bay Area? And so, you know, there's a, there's a large portion of the country that has just kind of remained silent and uh, is not uh, getting involved and is not acting crazy and is not taking a hard political stance on one or the other. And that's kind of where, where I'm at now. Um, when, when you'll get me or when you'll get me probably it was when you start to infringe on my rights or you fuck with me. And now nobody's fucking with me. Nobody's infringed on my rights. And so I don't really say much about it. And I don't allow uh, mainstream media to manipulate a message to get me to divide and, and to fight with my brothers and sisters. I am not going to, uh, you know, draw a line in the sand and say that you're either on this side or you're that side. Uh, I just don't subscribe to that. And I actually don't think as many people as we're being believed to do either. I think there's a lot of, I think there's a, a good amount of loud voices that are talking a lot on social media and Fox News and CNN. And a majority of people uh, think that this is a representation of the majority of the country. And it just isn't. I'm sorry. And, I, and I'm, I'm not going to buy into it. I mean, and let's do the, the George Floyd thing for an example. 
I don't know one person. And let me tell you, I'm connected to a lot of fucking people and talk to a lot of people every single day of my life. I do not know one person, black, white, brown, purple, yellow. I don't know one that thought that was okay. We're all in agreement. That was inhumane. That was evil. That was awful. And there's evil all over this world every day, all the time. Not just white on black or brown on red. It's it's there's there's evil happening all over all over the world right now. And we're there right now because we are in a political race. It is it is election year. We are we are the easiest way to get our business to go left or right is to cause as much of a division as possible to make you feel that you need to make a stand one way or the other. And I just don't subscribe to that bullshit. I I mean, if you were to ask me, uh, do I lean towards a party? I would say that I'm a conservative libertarian, but that doesn't mean that I would vote always conservative. If I don't believe in the policies that that person is, is going for, if I don't like that person, if I don't like what they're doing, then I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't vote that direction. Maybe I'd go the other direction. I don't identify with, this this collectivism that we're trying to create right now in our country and division of and trying to tell me that I need to decide. Fuck you. I'll decide if I want to get political about something. Yeah, I think the party system is the problem. I think it's the absolute problem. Dividing us and calling us a class of something or labels are the problem right now. You're black, you're white, you're fucking human. You're a human. Yeah. You bleed. You have the same blood as me. You're a human. Um you know, there's human rights, and that's what we should be focusing on. And the, when you divide and say you're a conservative or a liberal, you're swaying arguments. And that although you may not believe everything that the right say, you have to go that way because you've identified. And the same thing with the other side. So right. it's like, I think we're going to get ahead in this time when we dissolve those party systems. And I'm not sure if that's ever possible. But, you know, I was reading, reading a book right now. Uh, a bunch of stuff like politics are interesting to me a lot lately. I, I think that uh, when you become a father, you become a little more interested in, it. I'm more interested in today than I was just, you know, two years ago. Uh, just because I think of like the laws, the things that we do may impact my son's life down the road. And so I'm interested a little bit to it, but only, only, a, only a tiny bit, uh, you know, because at the end of the day, I used to call it sports for nerds. You know, the guys that weren't into sports growing up and don't watch sports and enjoy that, they enjoy the, the, the political banter back and forth. Cause when I hear two people argue about the left or the right, who doesn't matter, that sounds like, you know, the guy who's arguing if the, the Yankees are better than the Red Sox. You know, it's like you, you, you know, you know, no one ever wins that argument and you're super passionate and you throw statistics out on your side to support why your team is better than that team. It's, I mean, it's, it's laughable to me. And the people that think like, oh my God, how could you say that? It matters so much. Cause the, get the, you think your vote matters? They're, the, they, they're, they're. Well, I mean, I know you're taking the high road essentially. And I'm going to challenge you a little bit because you're sitting in California, which is super Democrat. Right. Gavin Newsom's your governor. Is that right? Yep. I'm not mistaken. Yep. And your gym and your your state has been closed down more than most, right? Yeah. Every, yeah. The California is shut down completely. I don't know that you guys per capita are any worse than some of these other ones, you know, as far as if you look at the actual ratios. But Tennessee hasn't had that. And other Republican-led conservative areas haven't had that. And we've had the freedoms that you haven't had. So you say it hasn't affected you, but it certainly has. So now, because your business has not been affected, you guys have probably done very well because you have an online presence. And so you probably killed it, actually, in this, in this time frame. What if your business was affected? Like my current Rockbox has certainly been affected, is being affected today from COVID and these other restrictions, the mask mandates and all these other things. So put yourself in a, a position where you own a storefront, someone comes and breaks in your windows, steals all your stuff, and you have... The Black Lives message right now is that they have insurance. Don't worry about it. It's reparations. Speak to that. You don't want to get political, but I'm drawing you into there. I'm drawing you into there. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I told you when I, we first started it that, you know, until you start infringing on my rights or threatening me, uh, I don't have a problem. Uh, if somebody was banging down my doors or breaking down, they better be ready because I might be sitting on the other side with a shotgun. And I am that guy. Mm -hmm. So, so is, and so are my, my, my partners. 
think the same way. I'm, I'm not going to stop you from, you know, kneeling on games. I'm not going to stop you for going out and peaceful protesting. I support that. In fact, we live, I believe in free speech and you have every right to do that. But if you're going to come in and damage my property and potentially threat, I have family that works for me. You know, Katrina works for me. My sister works for me. My cousin works for me. My uncle works for me. You come in and you break windows at my work when I have potentially my son or my, my wife or my, my family inside there, your ass may get shot. And, uh, and I, I won't hesitate in the slightest bit because you, you are behind some movement or you think that it's justified. Well, that's, right. you think that's justified. I think defending myself is too. So certainly. And now since you're taking a passive approach to this, since that's your take and since it's a pivotal place right now, wouldn't you think that you would want to lean towards a group of people that would actually have law abiding, um, you know, what is right is right and what is wrong is being called wrong, not being gray? Because you certainly have California saying, Seattle, Portland, step down, allow them to get their anger out. Or you, you know, you're, you're saying protest, but opportunist, looter, vandalizer, all different things. Don't just, you know, and I'm going to, and I know we're going to, I'm not trying to bring you into this because I don't, you know, I know where you stand. You're, you're sort of in the same boat as I am, but you're taking a passive approach to it where you're saying, we'll let other people argue it out. Shouldn't you take a stand as well now? No. Uh, you know who talks about this really well, actually? Um, Jordan Peterson talks to this point really well. Um, in fact, he, he had this video. It was actually uh, in regards to uh, the climate change, uh, but it, it fits this narrative also. And that is, uh, and, and, I, and I stand by this way of thinking. There, there is a, I need to clean my room first. I need to make my bed first. So before I make a, 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 a collective uh, decision where I'm going to support a whole group of individuals that I don't know their past, I don't know what kind of father they are or what they are outside of that we have one thing in common that we don't want gyms closed. I am not going to band together with a bunch of people uh, for what we think is a great cause. Not know because you know why? Because I believe that there's a there's a cause that uh, I really stand by. There's work to be done myself individually. I, I always think that. I think no matter what we're talking about, the, the best thing that I can do for the world going forward is to look within and all the areas that I can individually impact my network or circle of people that are around me. And how do I be a better man or a better version of whatever that may be? And that's how I even felt like I got a lot of heat for not posting uh, a black square, you know, and not, you know, we donated money, right? And we didn't donate money to Black Lives Matter. We gave it to an, uh, you know, policing equality uh, and and then also our local police department. And we got a lot of heat for that. And, you know, and uh, here's the thing, like, I, I am not going to allow other people to pressure me to join a movement uh, because they feel strongly about it. And it doesn't mean that I disagree with it or that I'm racist because I don't. I don't subscribe to that bullshit either, that, you know, the silence is permission or silence is contributing to that. Like, no, silence just means that, hey, are there when I hear and see all this stuff going on, I don't get angry inside or think I need to choose a side. I actually reflect a little bit and go like, man, okay. Are there areas in my life that I can be a better person? Are there areas where, you know, I could have acted racist and maybe somebody not felt that? Where can I be a better person? And there's where the work is to be done. There's always areas where I can be a better version of myself. And if I'm really going to do society some good, I, I best damn well spend time doing that because there's plenty of room for me to do that. And I just think that this whole, everybody likes to jump together as a group. It's so funny. It's so hypocritical. It's like you're 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 yelling and screaming for this one cause, but then the rest of your life is all fucked up, and you're a bad person everywhere else. And I'm not going to group myself even with people that I agree with. Like let's like use the gym example. Like I agree. Like this bullshit. These gyms are all shut down, and that we that they don't allow these guys to work. I I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. I'm I'm not. But I'm also not going to band together with a thousand people. And and protests like crazy because of that. Like, I think there's areas that I can still do better myself before I were to just join a group that I know we have one thing in common. That's it. And they could all be bad at bad people everywhere else. And now I'm grouping myself with them. I don't want that. I don't want to be lumped just like just no, no different with the gym people like that. I don't want to be lumped into the BL, BLM people either. 
I, I know who I am as a person. I'm confident in who I am. I'm confident in how I feel about other people. And I also know that I'm not perfect and I have areas that I can continue to be a better person. And the best thing that I can do to support any fucking cause out there is to continue to be a better version of myself. And that's where I'm at. I, I'm not a fan of like the, the group identity thing. Okay. Well, so it's to be continued. Uh, and and for the for the record, folks, if you're listening, if you like Adam, you got to let me know because we're gonna we talked a little bit about having him on as a more frequent guest, and we could ask him some things, and we can get into more of the stuff that you hear me and Holden do on the fitness related topics, and bring his expertise into this because he certainly has a very in depth background, and uh, you know you can hear him; he's intellectual and speaks well, and has a very good uh, psyche. So let's move it on, man. So to where you got today, you're very successful. Um, you know, Adam, as you heard my intro earlier, is a successful podcast host. He's making, you know, bank in some of his fitness programs. I thought I just saw you answer uh, on one of your live questions where it said, what helped you more, social media or podcasting? And I think you said, no, there was something else in there. And now I'm sure that was Facebook advertising or marketing, et cetera, which is where obviously the money comes in if, if I'm reading you or just reading between the lines because I, I just know how that works. But to answer this question in closing to this specific segment, who have you had to let go or get rid of in your life today to get to where you are today? Ooh. What and who do you have to delete from your life? Wow. Um, you know, uh, three best, best friends. Um, so uh, the very first one was um, my high school best friend. We were inseparable. And, uh, that was the, that was the beginning of me, um, like really understanding the importance of this question. And I love, I love this question, by the way, I think it, I think more people should talk about this. And I think many uh, people spend their whole lives not realizing that what has kept them from, from growing as a person and being successful is the circle that, that they, they surround themselves with. Like I really truly subscribe to the you're an average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I think that's an average in like all aspects, like, you know, mentally, psychologically, financially, spiritually, like I, if you are around the same, you are an average of them, you know, if you, on all, the, on all those areas. So, you know, and it wasn't until like my, I want to say I was around 23 when the first one went, uh, 23 or 24. And I remember, and I don't remember what book it was when I read that and it kind of sunk in for me and I started to like evaluate my friends and like why they were my friends. So like, first of all, many people that are in our lives that have been in our life when we, since we were in high school or when we were younger, um, when you're, when you're young and immature, you tend to attach yourself, uh, to people that feed into your insecurities. Um, you know, a good example of that's like goodwill hunting, right? Like, you know, the, the friends that all get that. And I love that show and moving it cause I can relate to it like um, loyalty and all th those things were like so important, you know, but those guys would fight for each other, but you're not able to level up and become more in intelligent or more successful because they are stuck in this way of life. Like that happens to everybody in, in, in all, in all levels and, and through the whole spectrum. Right. And I, I started to pick up on that, that, wow, I, I got these friends that I love them because we we went to high school together and we shared lots of parties and fun times and we played sports together. So we were very competitive. But it, now that I'm into my 20s and, and uh, you know, chasing my my passion and my career and now my, my goals are different in life. You know, back then it's like Friday night where we're going to get drunk and have a good time or we're going to play ball in the park like, you know, or getting your homework done. Like that was your that was like the extent of of life for you at that age. And now it's completely different. None of that stuff matters anymore. And now it's about can I work my way up the ladder if I'm working for a company or if I'm starting my own company, can I build and scale this thing? How do I grow? How do I learn? How do I get smarter? How do I make more money? And when I would start to look at the people that I was surrounding myself with, um, many of them, we were friends because of just things like that. And they weren't really serving me for all the other things in my life that were really important to me. In fact, uh, many of them, um, they, they want you to be successful as long as they're more successful. So what would end up happening is as I would start to get a little more successful or learn a little more, uh, I would get like rift or pushback or this competitive nature that would come back from these friends. And there, it was hard for me to let them go because I considered them like a best friend. So I started to do that. And what I, and I, I cut out one, and then all of a sudden I see improvement in my life, less toxicity, 
Uh, now that freed up time, now I was doing other things, or maybe now I made room for a new friend to come in my life. This friend is different. This friend is nothing like my this my childhood friend. This friend is more aligned with my 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 brain now, my my spiritual attitude now, my financial attitude now. And what I noticed is, man, when him and I are together, like magic happens, you know, or I learn something new. He teaches me something new that I, I was unaware of. And, you know, and I, I became uh, almost addicted to that feeling of, oh, wow, this is awesome. You know, and it, it's that, what's that old saying? If you're if you're the smartest one in the room, you're the you're the wrong you're in the wrong room. Right. Uh, I begin to really think about that a lot. And so I started seeking out uh, relationships and friendships with people that I, I respected uh, and, and thought that they were much brighter or further along in an area in my life that I wanted to develop. And I really attribute most of that to the success that I'm at today is, is, is surrounding myself with people that I, I really respect and believe are more talented or further along or better than I am in areas that I need to develop in. And I attach myself to people like that. And where I feel I've landed now in life, when I reflect and I look at Katrina, Sal, Doug, Justin, which is probably my core five that I spend the most time with, um, it's, you know, they are all very similar. So we all naturally just keep pushing each other in that area to grow and to be better versions of ourselves. So I love that question because it's one of my favorite things to tell. Like my, I have a younger brother who's in his early 20s, and we literally just had this conversation on my deck the other day that... You know, brother, if I can tell you anything right now, like you've got to really evaluate the people that you're spending time with because, you know, birds of a feather flock together. And if you're all kind of doing the same shit right now, m most of those guys may be doing the same shit five, 10 years from now. And if you don't want that for your life and you know you don't want that for your life, you're going to have to start to move away. And it doesn't need to be like I get that after I have this conversation, I always get flooded with DMs of like, well, then how do you have that conversation? How do you break up? with a best friend since high school out. I'm like, how do you have that conversation? And of course the first one was hard, but what I realized is like, I, I, I didn't have to have that conversation. Really. Maybe the first one I did and it was a little rough for me. And then I realized like, I don't need to like, it doesn't need to be a breakup. Like I'm breaking up with a girlfriend or that. I literally just need to start filling my time with other people that are helping me grow. And it'll naturally weed itself out. And I have had to have that conversation where someone's like, Hey bro, what's up? We, we never hang out. We never do. And then now it's presents a perfect opportunity for me to share with how I'm feeling say, you know what, dude, like I love you. I know we got crazy history together. I'll always think of you like family, but honestly where I'm at in my life, like these are the things that are important to me. And I want somebody who's going to continue to stretch me and push me in those areas and not hold me back and be, be happy for my success because I want to be the same thing for somebody else. And I don't feel like we have that. You got mad love for you. We family forever type of deal, but I'm busy. I'm busy hanging with people that are are looking to do the same thing also. So that that and that's to me for sure a major reason why I'm at where I'm at today. Right on. Yeah, I mean, you were. Thanks for answering. I mean, I know you're doing good names, and that's good. <laughs> but you gave the descriptions which matter because you know I was trying to come up with like, you know, what is this podcast really about? And what are all these things? And it, and it really comes down to growth. And I think like, you, you know, previously stated, growth happens when, you, when you're working towards a common goal with other people. You can certainly do it by yourself, right? You can certainly learn all the things you want, but as human beings, we need others to succeed and to grow and you can't do it yourself. Stay small and keep it all mentality. Something that my father had preached to me when I was young, I immediately recognized, uh, you know, the, the issue with the statement. And so, you know, now having employees that work for me and work, you know, around me and with me, that matters when you're enriching other people's lives. And, you know, at the end of the day, you look at legacy and what you can leave behind. And if you just left your own thing behind, how did you really help somebody? You helped yourself. But if you can help those other people and help growth and make someone better by your words or your wisdom or your motivation or your jobs that you're on, we're definitely going to bring Adam back. So we're looking for something next time. So make sure you get questions in. And if you like this, give us a comment, give us a review, and you know what to do. Catch you guys later.